I must admit that I don't watch much news lately. I find it to be depressing, and quite frankly, I think it's a tool to program people's thoughts. In many ways, the rapper Killer Mike sums up my views on the news in a song called Walking in the Snow, where he raps every day on evening news, they feed you fear for free. And you're so numb, you watch the cops choke out a man like me till my voice goes from a shriek to a whisper. I can't breathe. And you sit there in the house on your couch watching it on TV. The most you give is a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy. But truly the travesty, you've been robbed of your empathy, replaced it with apathy. Nevertheless, in today's world of misinformation and information overload, it's nearly impossible to miss major headlines, even if you live in a monastery. So last week I was appalled when I saw Haitian refugees in Texas being chased down by border patrolmen on horses. I was so emotional that I couldn't even look at the images nor read the story in detail. It seems like it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat in this country, we simply go from seeing children of color being separated from their families and put into cages to then seeing children of color and their families being chased down by horses as if they were cattle. And then we wonder why people have given up on the political process, robbed of our empathy, replaced with apathy. When I read the Old Testament scripture for this week in the book of Esther, which talks of slavery, and I juxtapose that with the images of black people being chased down by white horses, by white men on horses, then I'm compelled to talk about the subject that quite honestly frustrates me the most, which is racism. Being a Filipino Haitian American, I must first recognize that I have a clear bias in this. Therefore, I have the responsibility of contextualizing the scripture. This book starts off with the Persian king as, as, <laughs> as something. <laughs> and you know what? I Googled this on YouTube. Um, some scriptures have it as Xerxes. Um, I think it's, uh, we'll go with Xerxes. But also, a, 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 a Hazarus was another way to interpret it. Um, so the book starts off with King Xerxes, whose kingdom is from India all the way to Ethiopia. And he's holding a banquet for all of the court officials. And it's an exquisite banquet. It lasts literally for several months. And the apex of this was for his queen, Queen Vashti, to come out. And so for everybody to behold her beauty and, of course, making the king look better. He was in a drunken stupor when he asked her to come. For one reason or another, she didn't come. And so he was humiliated in front of everybody. And then he went to his officials and said, well, what, what do I do? And they were like, well, if she does this, all the women will follow suit, which is a sermon within itself. <laughs> so they decide that they're going to banish this queen and look for another queen, which is what, when the king and the court officials set up a harem and Mordecai, who is one of the officials in the court, has a niece by the name of Esther, who eventually becomes the queen. And before the story can end in a happily ever after, we're introduced to the villain of the story, which is Haman. Haman, like Mordecai, is also in the king's court. However, he ranks higher than Mordecai. And one day he finds out through rumors that Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman because of his beliefs as a Jew. So Haman comes up with an idea to kill not only Mordecai, but all the Jews in the empire. 
He goes to the king and he says, these people are a rebellious people who follow different laws. And so the king gives Haman permission to do whatever he will. So they have this plot going on. But the twist of the story is the king does not realize that his own new wife, Queen Esther, is in fact Jewish. And the rest of the story we heard by Lindsay today. The queen appealed to the king on behalf of her people. Haman was hanged. The people are saved. They have a feast to celebrate. And now, even to this day, every year in March, Jews all around the world celebrate Purim to commemorate this occasion. Jewish people have festivals and holidays such as Purim and Passover because whether it's Persians or Egyptians, they have seen the power of God deliver them from oppressive empires. And of course, in the United States, we can relate with July 4th. However, the great irony is, is it took 156 years before we finally recognized Juneteenth as a celebration of freedom for all Americans. 156 years. Not only did it take 156 years, but it took multiple televised killings by black people, a global movement in Black Lives Matter, protests and riots, and an attempted insurrection in part by white supremacists to finally get this holiday. America has done such a poor job, or maybe by some such a good job, of downplaying talking about Juneteenth that even some black folks didn't know what Juneteenth was. Nevertheless, if we want to know the full extent of racism, we also don't have to look past Haiti. Haitians were the first black republic in the world and the first to abolish slavery in the Western Hemisphere. Much like the United States, Haitians had to fight for their independence against a stronger and much richer army, that of France. But as America has learned with Afghanistan and Vietnam before that, all of the technology and money in the world truly cannot compete with people who are fighting for their country and to be free from foreign rule. And how was Haiti treated because they had the audacity to fight for their freedom, much like America had fought for America's freedom? Well, at the time, President Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, stopped sending aid to Haiti, and then all of the European countries followed suit. France demanded that Haiti pay back 150 million francs, which is the equivalent of $2 billion today, and sent a navy to Haiti in case they didn't want to agree to it. And then this loan was financed by what would become Citibank. And Haiti, which was at one point called the Pearl of the Caribbean, the Pearl of the Antilles, because it was such a wealthy colony, ever since has consistently been the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. The message sent by Europe and by America is quite clear. If you want democracy, then you have to play by our rules. And now the descendants of those who have fought for freedom are being chased by patrolmen on horses and forced to go back to a country that has been devastated by not only natural disasters, but by internal conflict, by corruption, and in part by policies and puppet leaders set up by the United States. If we read the book of Esther, the rest of the book of Esther, we will find that Mordecai, the uncle of Queen Esther, not only conspired with the king to kill Haman, but they also killed Haman's sons. And then they went on to kill all of the enemies that they saw were a threat to Jews men, women, and children. 
and in a similar manner, when Haitians were able to gain independence from the French in 1804, the leader of Haiti at that time, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, who was the leader of Haiti, ordered that all white French occupants who were still in Haiti to be murdered in what would become the 1804 Haitian massacre. Around three to 5,000 men, women, and French children were killed in response to years of murder and oppression. And what do we say to that? What do we say to any oppressed group who is systematically oppressed with discrimination and violence to one day respond in violence? On a lighter note, <laughs> a couple of fun facts. During the festivities of Pur Purim, which Jews celebrate, they're encouraged to let go of all traditional norms and celebrate life. I actually have a mentor uh, who's a retired rabbi from Manhattan, and I spoke to him because I wanted to get context on this celebration. And he told me that there's a saying that you're encouraged to drink during Purim until you cannot tell the difference between Mordecai and Haman. <laughs> Some heavy drinker. <laughs> And I thought about this for a while, and I sat with it. And I realized Mordecai did exactly what he was threatened by Haman to do. And I think that tells us not only a lot about text, but tells us a lot about human nature. The oppressor and the oppressed lives inside of all of us. It just so happens that we're born at a particular time, at a particular place, to a particular family. And what we do with our time in that place with that family, I believe is ultimately what we'll be judged by. Another fun fact, the book of Esther is the only book in the Bible besides Song of Solomon that mentions God not once. In fact, the book of Esther almost didn't get put into the Old Testament because of this truth. Why? It's because we as people are uncomfortable with ambiguity and uncertainty. We like to know God is with us. Well, what about the immigrants and refugees? We long for Easter Sunday, but we refuse to sit in the grief of Good Friday. Yet, if the past couple of years has taught us everything, we know that along with unpredictable weather patterns spurred by climate change, a very much divided country, and continuing issues around vaccination, immigration, and a legacy of racism, it's that we live in uncertain times and we can take nothing for granted. If I'm honest, I didn't know how to end this. I was always taught, at least when I was a Baptist, to kind of end on a chipper note. <laughs> the, 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 the resurrection is gonna come. But then I thought of the refugees, and they don't know when they're going home or where home will be. And the fact that we have the privilege that I have to say that and just not end the sermon because we don't want to sit in that uncomfortability shows you how well off we are as a people. And so really, besides it being in the lectionary, the reason why I wanted Pam to read Psalm 124 is it's the only way I knew how to end it. If the Lord had not been on our side, if the Lord had not been on our side when enemies rose up against us, then would they have swallowed us alive then would the waters have overwhelmed us. Then would the raging waters have gone right over our heads. 
Our help is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Amen.